Hey guys, real quick, before we get started, I have a small request. If you've been blessed by our content and you like this show, would you take just a brief moment and leave us a five-star review? This is quite possibly the most effective thing that you can do to ensure that this content gets out to as many people as possible. Thanks. Hi, this is Pastor Joel Webin. Welcome to another episode of Theology Applied. I'm privileged in this episode to have Luke Massius as a special guest from the Luke Massius Show. Uh, Luke is a political consultant. He's a podcaster. He does all sorts of things um, in the realm of culture, in the realm of politics, and all in the great state of Texas. And so I have Luke come on the show to talk about the benefits of Texas, the good, but also the bad, and the ugly, the fight for Texas, the, the fight for really the, the soul of Texas, and how Christians can get involved to win the culture war. Thanks for tuning in. Real quick, before we get started, I've got some exciting news to announce. I've got A.D. Robles and John Harris from Conversations That Matter coming out for a whole weekend in the month of March to join up on a Friday we're going to come in our studio right here, and all three of us are going to record a multiple-part series on some of the subject matter that you guys have requested that the three of us address through our YouTube comments. Some of you have emailed. We're taking that into consideration as well, uh, but we're definitely looking at the YouTube comments. We've asked you guys, hey, what are topics you want us to address? And so the three of us are going to record for several hours a multiple-part series in our studio right here in the great state of Texas in March, and we're going to be releasing that content over the coming weeks. Now, here's the other thing. That's on the Friday that they're going to be in town, but on the Saturday, we're going to hold a one-day conference. Now, that's going to be March 12th, Saturday, March 12th. It's going to be a one-day conference where AD is going to do a session on um, practical, obedient defiance, how to resist civil tyranny, how to resist medical tyranny, and how to do this in practical, on-the-ground ways as households. As head of households, husbands, fathers, how, how do we resist as a family against the cancel culture and the tyranny and persecution that's coming to America? That's going to be a D session. I'm going to do a session called Debunking the Boogeyman of Christian Nationalism. I'm going to kind of reveal the fallacies of the Gospel Coalition and all these kind of things. Oh, Christian nationalists, the greatest threat to America. I'm going to show why that's not biblical and how that's not actually happening. And the irony that, if anything, Russell more, he's the type who's actually the Christian nationalist in a negative sense. And then John Harris is going to do a session on social justice versus biblical justice. Again, that's social justice and how it's completely um, opposed, completely opposite to biblical justice. And then lastly, the three of us are going to come up all together and spend a whole hour doing Q&A. We're going to take live questions from the audience and address those questions. It's going to be a great time. You'll get to meet John Harris. You'll get to meet A.D. Robles, you'll get to meet myself. So if you're anywhere in the area in Williamson County, or if you're in Austin, Texas, or you're north of Williamson County or to the west or to the east, and you want to come out and join us for that one day conference, Saturday, March 12th, come on out. It's free registration. Uh, we're going to have some refreshments free. Everything's free. So we're paying out of pocket as a ministry to make this happen. We're covering the cost to fly out John and AD to put them up in a hotel. So you don't have to pay a dime to show up and attend this. However, 
For anybody who wants to be generous and help us offset these costs, you can do so donating towards this conference by simply going to rightresponseministries.com slash donate. Again, that's rightresponseministries.com slash donate. Now to find the address, physical location for the conference and exact times for each of the sessions for that Saturday, March 12th, again, go to our website, rightresponseministries.com, click on the menu button at the top and scroll down and you'll find conference. Click on conference. You'll find all the details that you need. And one of the details there that we need is although registration is free, there's a form at the bottom that says RSVP. We would really appreciate if you could let us know whether or not you're coming and how many people you plan on bringing with you, right? If you got 10 kids, God bless you for having 10 kids, but we would like to know that you're bringing yourself, your wife, and your 10 kids. Please come, but please let us know so that we can adequately uh, prepare for this. The last thing that I'll say is that that Sunday, which would be March 13th, for anybody who wants to join our church, Covenant Bible Church, John Harris will stay in town. He's gonna linger and he's gonna preach that Sunday morning at our Lord's Day worship service. That's 9.30 a.m. on Sunday, March 13th at my church that I pastor. Again, that's Covenant Bible Church. We're in Georgetown, Texas. That's the Williamson County area. So if you're in Williamson County or you're in North Austin or you're somewhere nearby and you don't have a church home, If you've got a church home, go there. But if you don't have a church home, you're looking for a church that has courage, that has biblical fidelity, and you want to hear John Harris preach a dynamite sermon from the Word of God, then come and join us again Sunday, March 13th. You can find uh, details or directions to join our church that Sunday morning at covenantbible.org. Our website for Covenant Bible Church is covenantbible.org. Without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into our episode. Applying God's Word to every aspect of life. This is Theology Applied. Hi, this is Pastor Joel Webin with Right Response Ministries, and you're watching another episode of our show called Theology Applied. Today, I am very privileged to be joined by a special guest named Luke Massius. Luke Massius. Luke, go ahead and just introduce yourself to our guest. Tell them all the things that you do. You're a jack of all trades. Yep. Let them know who you are. I, uh, I was going to be a, a doctor uh, growing <laughs> really? up because I was named after Luke in the Bible. Okay. And so I was homeschooled and my parents would make me write papers on like the gastrointestinal tract and vestigial organs and interview doctors. And when I was 16, my dad ran for public office, state representative. Somebody in our church came to us we weren't that involved politically and said, hey, our representative is a, a pretty liberal Republican, a pro-choice Republican, other problems in the Texas Hill Country area. So my dad ran for office and uh, won by 45 votes of 20,000 cast. Wow. And me and my six siblings had basically jumped in and got involved. And uh, I knew at that point that I had a passion for this. I honestly like hardly schooled that year because I just mm. loved this stuff so much. And mom was always getting on me. So I went into my parents' room after that, and I told them, I think that the Lord has called me into the political arena, um, which they agreed because I almost failed chemistry that year, too. So <laughs> the medical direction was not looking good. I was right. getting pushed and pulled. And um, at that point, I just started applying myself in politics, did a bunch of different stuff, but ultimately ended up starting a political consulting company uh, 11 years ago. And I've worked on 
almost 100 political campaigns across Texas. I ended up partnering with and working alongside a lot of the different conservative organizations in Texas. We have various different special interest groups that fight particular issues, be it parental rights issues or media companies or fiscal accountability watchdog organizations, things like that. So I worked alongside that and then partnered up with different philanthropists who are trying to fight to preserve the freedom that we have, maybe even expand it. It's kind of, um, I think, sometimes hard for Texans to realize that there are a lot of freedoms that we don't have that we could. Yeah. And so anyways, I right now I have a weekly show as well. Um, not quite as advanced as <laughs> set up, uh, but uh, no, but we talk about Texas news and politics. People have so much access to national stuff. You know, right. the truth is right. there's 1,800 podcasts you can go to if you want to know what the U.S. Senate's doing in Congress and Biden and, and Trump and anybody else. But we found that there's just so little content out there about what's happening in our state. And Texas as a state is, is more impactful culturally and even nationally than any other state in the union, I would argue. And mm. you come from California, right? So you understand right. there's these large states have way more pool than a state like Arkansas or Missouri. Right. And so, uh, anyways, enjoy talking to a lot of Texans about the kind of things that are going on in our state. Right. So with that, you know, so you said like I'm from California. And so, yep. our, you know, our listeners know that I was born and raised in Texas, but I was in California for the last 11 yep. years until the end of 2020, December. And not just myself, but I, you know, led, as I told you, a team of seven different households yes. to come out of, you know, out of Egypt and to the promised land, you know. <laughs> but the problem with the promised land, to use that metaphor, is that... Um, that there are enemies in the land. Mm. And it's not just coming to a land that flows with milk and honey, but yeah. there are problems here as yeah. well and things that have to be fought against. And so with that, kind of a, a double question. We talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but yeah. number one, why why are guys, whether it be Elon Musk mm. or, um, you know, I mean, you've got Oracle, you've got Apple, you've got all these different companies in droves moving to not just states like Texas, mm -hmm. but Texas. Mm -hmm. They like Texas. So what are some of the policies that make Texas appealing? But then also, what are some of those fights that we need? Because you said there are certain things about Texas, certain freedoms that we don't have. Mm. So, so what are the good policies? And then what are some of the policies that Texans need to be aware of that, where there's a fight to be fought? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Because primarily, there's a huge appeal to moving to a state with no income tax, first yeah. and foremost. I mean, that's Fundamentally, when you're a business, when you're looking at relocating and you talk about the fact that um, a home here is significantly less than a home in California. Right. Now, unfortunately, you probably know home values are skyrocketing in Texas as a result yeah. of that. But the reality is that you go, okay, wait, you can get twice the home that you would sell this home for. I don't even have to give you a raise and you start making X percentage more just right. based on the fact that you don't have a state income tax at this point. Um, so people like that. Businesses like predictable regulatory environments. That's just the reality. We know that economic-based idea that the less they think you're going to change up the regulation, the more they're likely to invest big dollars into the, this economy because they go, look, we think we'll still be in this environment 10, 15, right. 20 years from now. And so I think there's that predictable regulatory environment, the low taxation um, that contributes towards people being pretty attracted. And then there's the fact that we are not as woke as where you're currently at, right? So right. if you're in California and you're somebody who just has a middle of the road worldview, I mean, I would consider myself a relatively far right of center worldview when it comes to a hundred people in a room. Mm -hmm. But the reality is even if you're somebody who's in the middle of the general worldview of the populace, 
you are not welcome in a lot of blue states right now. And they are doing what they can to say, look, you either have to be like us or you are not welcome here. Your ideas are not welcome. Your children are not allowed to think for themselves. And so all of a sudden they go. Diversity uh, when it comes to skin color, there's no diversity of thought. No. No true diversity. In fact, they're even more upset if you have like, you're not white and you actually right. also have right. a right of set of world. Yeah. Well then you're an uncle Tom, you yep. know, whatever. So. so they are, uh, I think people then go, well, I'm, I'm feeling attacked here. So I will go there cause I will be less likely to be attacked. And I think that still remains true today. I mean, your worldview, if you're right of center, you're not going to get attacked in Texas mm-hmm. as, as much as you would, uh, if you were in California or one of those right. states. So this to me is an attraction that we have the things that are really dangerous fundamentally, uh, we as Texans who are here are blessed by anybody from California that moves here because we have, we are seeing essentially, I call them political refugees, yeah. but the majority of people moving from, from California to Texas are conservative That's right. people. Yeah. They just are. They're coming here and they're bringing their general right of center worldview here. Mm-hmm. That's why they're coming. And so since a majority of them are, when we net a thousand new citizens, that actually is more helpful to conservatives in the state. One of our problems is that we do have a lot of indoctrinating going on with our own children. And unfortunately, a lot of it's government funded, right? We have a K through 12 system and we have a university system with our public universities that we know are indoctrinating children more often than not. And it's really a sad thing where we've been for decades funding the indoctrination of our own populace. And we're starting to reap the unfortunate benefits or rewards, What ha- you reap what you sow, right? And so what we're seeing is that uh, there was a poll done back in 2018 when Beto O'Rourke almost beat Ted Cruz. There was a super close election and everybody was really concerned. They said, man, all these Californians are changing our right, state. Right. And what they found was, no, the Californians that moved in here were voting for Ted Cruz over Beto O'Rourke by a 60-40 margin. The, wow. the problem is we have all these people 18 to 35 that are in Texas that are native born that are all voting for Beta. Well, why is that? Well, maybe because they went through a K through 12 system and in a lot of those systems, they are run by leftists who are giving you leftist ideology. Mm-hmm. And then you ha- go to a publicly funded state university and we know that, I mean, Texas A&M, just finally this year after a lot of pressure canceled its drag show that it's wow. been having for the last several years. This is a Texas college yeah. that people would tell you is a more conservative Texas college. They've been having a taxpayer funded drag show on their, on their locations. You've got, they are training up the teachers with these general Marxist idea ideas right. and then sending them into the classroom. And so it's this never ending loop. So we have a real problem when it comes to indoctrinating our own populace. And uh, just in the last year or two, we finally, I think started to bring a lot more light to that where people are waking up. Citizens are waking up. They're starting to demand action on it because they're realizing we can't sustain this. If we're funding our own demise, it's a yeah. pretty big problem. Right. No, I completely agree. So I was going to bring that up, you know, in terms of, you know, people say that it's California that's turning Texas blue yes. and those kinds of things. But I completely agree with you. The person who makes that transition from California or New York to a state like Texas or a state like Idaho tends to be a person who is conservative and is looking for, you know, conservative freedoms that come from conservative policies and it seems like people make that connection. It seems like the people who are embracing liberal ideology and policies are the people who take it for granted. And it, and it just seems like that's kind of the pattern almost of, of just human history hmm. that, you know, that, well, I can't remember the theologian who said this, but in terms of Christian faith and the gospel, they said the, the first generation believes the gospel, mm-hmm. 
the second generation assumes the gospel, mm. the third generation neglects the gospel, mm. and the fourth generation rejects mm. the gospel. And it's it's almost like generationally things get so bad, and and then you it's almost like you you need a war with Russia or China and communism to be reminded, oh, that's why we don't entertain those policies. That's why socialism doesn't work. That's why you know whatever it is. And so what? How are we going to turn it around? What, what do you think the solution is? I think it's a great question. You're, you do we have to just wait for disaster? Yeah, mm-hmm. unfortunately, a lot of people do sometimes wait for that disaster to wake up. People are very upset when they do hear the type of things that are going on. You know, we have two clinics in Texas who are sexually transitioning children, right? Mm-hmm. They are professionals at doing this. You can wow. bring them a three-year-old boy and say, I want my three-year-old boy to be a three-year-old girl. And they will help you facilitate that lie to that child. Okay, this is child abuse. We know it is, but it's not defined as child abuse in Texas, unfortunately. And our lawmakers haven't done so. They've known this is going on for years. Three years ago was the first time this really came to light in a pretty significant way. And there's been a coalition of us that have been working on advancing a policy to say we need to stop this in Texas. Because not only are we transitioning our own children, we're transitioning children outside of Texas. And so it starts with psychological therapies. You sit down with a uh, a psychologist, probably in a setting like this, and they ask you a bunch of questions about what right. you think about when you see these pictures, and mm. you know what do you think about when you think of girls and boys, and and they're helping transition you, and then they're going to have a coming out party, and you're going to be declared as the opposite sex, and then they're going to tell your public school that you are the opposite sex, and then your teachers are going to start calling you a female name instead of a male name, even though you're still a boy. And this is the reality that's happening. They'll start blocking these kids' puberty at 9, 10, 11 years old. And these drugs are all legal in in the state of Texas. When you bring this to light, the vast majority of the populace is pretty upset. Right. And I think there's a hope that this type of content being brought to the light um, does wake up a lot of Texans. We have to push it out there more in order for them to go, whoa, not in my backyard. You know, because mm-hmm. we kind of think that all oh, this is ha- must be happening in California, right? Oh, in right. New York, they're definitely doing this to the kids. No, they're doing it here. And most politicians are just really scared to disrupt the status quo. They, they want to take the path of least resistance. And one of the things the left does very well is they're militantly against you if mm. you try to come after them. And so it creates this culture and environment where these politicians go, I don't really want to touch this issue. So I feel like these type of things being brought to light um, really do give us a potential to wake people up maybe before we're into right. catastrophe. Yep. So who are some of the, the players? Let's name some names because we have an election that yep. is coming up. And I think by the time we release this episode, it's going to be election day. Election day. Tuesday, yeah, March that. 1st in Texas. And so who are some of the, the major play, players, whether it be, uh, you know, uh, attorney general or whether yep. it be, you know, governor? Yep. Who are some of the guys who are not just your, your neocons, not yes. just your Mitt Romneys, but a yep. true conservative and ideally... Um, a true conservative that, in the way I like to say it is, you know, there are people who have adopted Christ principles, mm. but I always say, you know, Christ principles apart from Christ person mm. will not produce Christ peace. And mm. so there are people who are conservatives, but they're hanging these conservative virtues in midair. Mm. They don't actually have the Christian foundation. So mm. who are some guys who are true conservatives, an yep. actual Republican, um, but but also an actual Christian? Mm. They have a worldview to sustain those things so that we know that, you know, um, I think of Ephesians chapter four that talks about every wind and wave of doctrine yep. that tosses us yes. to and fro. 
Um, who are the guys who have the world view, the anchors, so that they won't, you know, five years from now betray their, their voter base? Um, no, it's, it's uh, so this is coming out on election day. Uh, hopefully a decent amount of people have already voted, about 55% of votes right. cast early in Texas. Right. We have election day. If, if somebody's watching this and they haven't voted, they can go vote, right? They can, yeah. they can look it up or call their elections office and figure out their precinct. You don't need your voter card. A lot of people think you need your voter card to vote. You just need your driver's license. You can walk in. Okay. And so that is um, some nice things that afford people the opportunity to engage in the process. Uh, the, the election we have in front of us, and then I want to talk about elections as a whole, if that's okay. But yeah. the elections right in front of us, you know, we do have problems. One of the, in fact, I've had a lot of conversations over the last two weeks with voters. I sent out a voter guide in San Antonio, a personal voter guide to my neighbors, I started getting called by all these people who said, hey, I want to know why uh, I shouldn't vote for Abbott because he's not on your list. Yeah, right? it, answer and, that answer yeah. that question right there. So I'll go, and because I, when I first moved here, I was like, hey, Abbott's you know, taking a stand. Yes. But then as, as some time went by, I realized, oh, Abbott's, number one, Abbott's taking a stand against Abbott. <laughs> so yes. he's, he's taking yes. a strong stand against that policy that he yes. actually put in place. And all of it's basically like, you know, like how, how do you find out what Abbott's going to do? Um, well, you just yeah. look at what Ron DeSantis did six months before. Yeah, you know, a lot of people <laughs> right. do say that. And when you're like, well, it'd be a lot easier if we just have DeSantis be our governor. And yeah. then uh, we could take our cues from him when he actually does it, <laughs> yeah, as opposed yeah. to six months later. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, on, the, on the gender transitioning issue, we have been pushing this for three years. We have a coalition of people built all across the state. The Republican Party of Texas even got involved and put it on the last two primary ballots. In fact, if you go vote... There's some propositions that the Republican Party has put there. And the top one is Texas should ban the transitioning right. of it's children. And the reason it's on there is because it still hasn't been done. And the party is trying to put pressure on Abbott to support the policy because wow. he didn't support it last session. The Senate passed three different bills that would have dealt with the issue. And the Texas House killed them. Mm. And the Texas House not only killed them, but you know, just so people get a little bit of an understanding of how politics works. The governor will stay silent on any issue that he is okay for the legislature to kill. Okay, that is kind of the unspoken understanding between the chambers, which means that if the governor is just quiet, then the House, which is more loyal to him than the Senate, then the House will say, okay, if this bill dies, the governor won't be that upset. In fact, right. he might even be happy, but he wouldn't come out. What Republican would come out and say, I don't want this legislation on my desk. Right. If he does want the legislation to pass, he'll make a very simple statement. He'll say something like, you know, I would love to sign a bill that bans the sexual transitioning of children in Texas. I would love to sign that bill if it got to my desk. And that sends the message to the House that says, you better move this bill. And if you don't, now the governor's against you, right? right. But the truth is, he's been silent on this policy for three years. And to the point to where after it died, he has these subsequent special sessions. And in a special session, any bill can be considered as long as the governor what we say puts it on the call. And so the lieutenant governor asked him, he actually came out publicly and said that he asked the governor, he told the Mark Davis show this, I asked Governor Abbott to put this uh, ban, the ban on sex change surgeries on kids on the call. He didn't do it. The Republican Party of Texas asked him to put it on the call. He didn't do it. A majority of Texas House members co-authored a bill to ban it, but he wouldn't put it on the call. The Senate passed it three times. So there's these kind of issues where he's blatantly ignoring the problem if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. We actually found out, and Don Huffines, who's running against Mr. Abbott, brought this to light. He actually found, so the Department of Family Protective Services is CPS, they're who investigate child right. abuse. They had an entire page on their website dedicating to celebrating LGBTQIA children 
their peers and their parents, the whole page. Mm -hmm. And they literally said, they had a resource there that says, do you want to know the difference between sex and gender? Because remember, the left thinks those are two different right, things, yeah. right? The gender's just in your head. It's right. very fluid, whatever you want. Sex is just what you're born with, right. but you can change your gender. And even that second category, so there's <laughs> sex, biological sex, and yes. gender, and even that second category, second category, gender, yes. they would break up and subdivide into there's gender identity, there's gender yep. expression. Yep. There's gen so it's like, what, what do you think you are? Then what do you project to the world that yes. you are? And then there's sexual orientation, which yeah. has to do with attraction. Yes. So, there, so, so I could be a biological male, sex, and then I could say, uh, but my, in terms of gender, my sexual identity is female. So I think I'm female, but I project, you know, a pan or um, a, fe uh, a male again. I project that to the world, yeah. and then I'm a pansexual over here in terms of sexual yeah. orientation. I like any attraction. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so, and standing for all. Right. Whereas yeah. in terms of the Bible, it's nice because it's simple yes. and true male and female. <laughs> yeah. We created that. Yep. So, um, we have a we have a pansexual representative in Texas, a Democrat from El Paso. Really? Very sad um, reality, and um, and yeah, and I know that she's probably been through a tremendous amount in her life of, I'm sure. of um, abuse and, and people mistreating her, and it's so sad to see how different people medicate their pain. Right. Um, and this is the reality of where we're at in the state of Texas. But that being said, when Greg Abbott's state agency was caught promoting, celebrating these LGBTQIA LMNOP children, their peers, their parents. Uh, Don Huffines called him out, and within three days, that whole website was taken down. Wow. And the problem is, though, somebody's signing off on this stuff. Does that make right. sense? I mean, these, this is not Andrew Cuomo or Gavin yeah. Newsom putting it out and us catching them. We're catching our own That's because good. they're just letting so many of these things through. So I think you have a real example there. Um, and, you know, everybody, anybody who listens to my show knows that I probably like Don Huffines. I've supported him. I've donated to him. So on a personal level, I'm voting for him. He was a homeschool dad, five kids. Um, he, he and his whole family are strong, committed um, Catholics and uh, just has... Uh, Have a, you heard of Cross Politic real quick, just to briefly... Yeah, go ahead. Cross Politic, uh, we've had them on our show, Theology Applied, um, and they're in Moscow, Idaho with Doug Wilson. Yes, and, yes, uh, very familiar. Okay, with. great. So Toby Sumter, he's, he's yes. like a an associate pastor with Doug Wilson. He's okay. one of the guys on this show. It's three guys. It. It's a guy named uh, David Shannon who goes by his moniker, Chalk Knox. He's a yep. black guy. Who, okay. Like uh, the Scottish reformer, John Knox, you know, was like, give me Scotland lest I die. And, yes. and so Chalk Knox is saying, give me the black community mm. lest I die, realizing that they're constantly being preyed upon yes. and used for their yes. black skin for typically a bunch of rich white guys who are yes. profiting yes. off of them. You know, the Democratic Party has always been pro-slavery. Yeah, <laughs> In one form or another, yes. they've always yes. been the racist party. So, and sadly today is no exception. So anyways, those guys, and then Gabriel Wrench, and he's actually on the board for Right Response Ministry. So okay. those guys are great. And they just had Don Huffines on oh, the great. show. And, awesome. uh, and they endorsed him. And so I say all that to say he's he's got my vote. Great. As well. So That's awesome. Back to you, Don. Very Don no, so I think, you know, and he's been willing to define these cultural issues as what they are. And it's a spiritual battle. And he's talked about that publicly, saying we're in a spiritual battle as well. Um, I think having leaders that are willing to discuss the battles that we are in as battles of good versus evil really do set us apart and give us a unique opportunity. If you don't know that that's the battle you're in, then how, how are you right. going to actually fight appropriately, right. if that makes sense. Um, there's a, there's quite a few strong uh, 
Christian men in the legislature, a lot of them are regionally based. One of the things I encourage people to do is to do all your research and try to find people locally. Brian Slayton is a state representative from East Texas. He filed the bill last session to abolish abortion. Okay. He led the fight in the Texas House to ban the sexual transitioning of children in Texas. He actually was, um, he went to seminary. He spent some time as a pastor. And Real quick, with Brian Slate? Slayton. S-L-A-T-O-N. Okay. So Brian Slayton, so I'm not familiar with him, but what, what would he say if he was sitting in your chair right yep. now and I said, what do you think about the heartbeat bill? How would he respond? Uh, so he voted for it. There's various different people that have different opinions on right. it. Um, he said his position would be that he voted for the heartbeat bill. Um, he did uh, express publicly some concerns on different ways the heartbeat bill was crafted. And his Republican colleagues honestly just massively criticized him for doing so. Because yeah. even somebody just getting up and saying, hey, could this be better? Could we yeah. actually do better? Are we concerned about any of these things? So he um, voted for it, but he wasn't killing abolitional, you know, uh, bills that would have uh, uh, abolished. Yeah, so he supported a bill. He, uh, he filed the bill to abolish abortion. Right. He then uh, asked repeatedly. Stephanie Click is a state representative. She's the chairman of public health. And she's the one who, interestingly enough, slow rolled the bill to ban sex change surgeries. Mm. She's the same woman who refused to have a hearing on the abolished abortion bill. So she refused to even have a hearing. A chairman in Texas, you'll kind of learn how the process works. A chairman in the Texas House is basically a king over that policy area. So if I'm the chairman of public health, I get to decide whether all abortion bills even get to be heard. Wow. And they don't have a chance to be voted on if I don't even have a hearing. Yeah. And then I can even have a hearing on a bill and decide to never vote on it. And none of the members of my committee can make me vote on this bill. I'm the chairman. I have ultimate wow. authority. So Stephanie Click, who is actually in a very tough race up in the North Texas area, it's the North Richland Hills, Watuga um, area, just around the Fort Worth Arlington region in Tarrant County, She's, she's got five opponents, and all of these people are running against her because she slow-rolled this legislation. She helped kill the ban on sex change surgeries. She refused to even let a hearing be held on abolishing abortion. Wow. And so uh, I think Brian would tell you that um, every Republican state rep there campaigned as a conservative. Like none of them went around their communities and said, hey, you know what? I'm kind of more like the middle-of-the-road kind of guy. <laughs> Vote right. for me. They all said... They're all over here, and they're going to fight for you. And then Brian would probably tell you the same that the handful of the, the good guys do tell you, which is that when they get there and they close the doors and you're in a Republican caucus, that's when all of a sudden all these people say, well, we don't really need to do that. And, you know, like we can't, like, abolish abortion, right? And we can't, like, stop all sex change surgeries. You know, I mean, you just have these conversations and you realize none of y'all would say this in public. Right. None of you would tell anybody in your district this. You're just saying it here so that we right. maybe decide not to address it from yeah. a public, public yeah. policy perspective. Brian's a, uh, a great one for people to be aware of. It's honestly one of those where you just find a couple of them that you can trust, and then you can actually follow what's happening in Austin, and they'll help empower and inform so that you know how to turn around and try to get other people. You and I have talked about Patrick McGinnis. I know he's running here in the Williamson County area. Very strong conservative, been a committed conservative. Uh, for a long time in the state and is now running for this open seat. So there's a really good opportunity we have. There's race in San Antonio that's very competitive. I could kind of go through a list. I, I hesitate to like bore us by traveling yeah, 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 the entire yeah. state, but there's really a, some good opportunities for some strong pickups of strong, uh, godly, Christian, conservative men who seem to have the right mindset to say, I want to actually uh, do battle and fight right, regardless right. of what 
the leadership and elite will tell me. Great. So, so you know, like you said, you don't want to get too yeah. in the muck and the mire and all the details. But what's a good resource that people can can go to? I know they can watch yes. you a show, but yes. is there somewhere where just it just written out like this is who we're endorsing for yeah. such and such position? Like, what, what do you recommend as yeah. uh, something to follow that people can? So, keep their I would on? recommend. Uh, basically pulling together several different resources. So okay. I would definitely look at Texas Scorecard that will keep you kind of overall engaged in the entire state And that's process. who you're connected with. And that's, my podcast is under that entity, but they do a lot of reporting, some other shows that talk about other issues. Um, Texans for Fiscal Responsibility is a watchdog group that focuses on property taxes and fiscal issues. So it's one of those where you can go there and find out who the good and the bad ones are on these issues. They have what they call the fiscal index. So you can go there and look at every state rep in Texas and how they rank when it comes to fiscal responsibility in Texas. I'm just thinking of Don Huffines right now. We, we just recently went up to Broken Bow, my family, yes. and another family in the church that we're close friends with. And uh, we went up to Broken Bow, stayed in the cabin, yep. did a little vacation. And you know, for miles, yes. Don Huffines, it was like uh, zero property taxes, yes. you know, or yes. an actual Republican yes. or build a wall. Yep. I was like... Yeah, man, that like that advertising works. I'm voting. <laughs> I was already, I already yes. knew about him, and yes. I was like, I yep. love this guy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, real quick, can we talk about property taxes? For yes. Because so, me coming from California, yes. you know, lots of people, you know, it's, well, some people came with us, and praise God for that. But lots of people disagreed, and, and a big part of their argument is, well, you know, California needs churches. Mm-hmm. Someone's got to stay and fight. And I totally support that. So, biblically speaking, I would say there is absolutely a theological category for what we would call. A missionary, mm, right? Yeah. So the the idea of Christians willingly sacrificing their own personal comforts and pleasures mm-hmm. for the good of someone else um, absolutely makes sense. Now, I do think there are. I would have some disclaimers. Um, I'd say one that there's a difference in sending missionaries to China or Russia or North Korea, places where people are trapped. Yep. People aren't trapped in California. Now, I know fiscally mm. and practically, yep. there's still. You, you can be e- essentially trapped mm-hmm. because generations of your family leave there. You can't just up and leave. Mm-hmm. Um, even though you're financially hurting by virtue of being in California, it still takes a lump sum of mm-hmm. money to be able to move yep. out of the state. And so, so you can be effectively trapped, you know. Um, so the idea of having missionaries there, another uh, good argument that I would, I would have for Christians being in places like San Diego, which is where I was, is because I'm not a pacifist, which means I believe that it's not only permissible, but commendable for Christian men to serve in the military. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to serve in the Navy, they're going to do some time in San Diego. Yeah. And those Christian guys in the Navy deserve to have a church. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. there are reasons to stay. Um, however, at the same time, I always encourage people who have chosen to stay, uh, make sure you're fighting more than you're funding. Mm. And I think that takes some brutal honesty to actually, okay, let's look at my bank account. Um, how much did I type? <clears throat> and then how much did I pay in state taxes? Mm. And, and what did Gavin Newsom just say about his promise of becoming a sanctuary state mm-hmm. that not only state funds abortions there, yep. but abortions from people in Texas and Idaho mm-hmm. and everywhere else if yep. Roe gets overturned? Like, yep. Okay, so how much am I funding? Like the, the analogy that yep. I would use, the illustration would be like if, if you had some covert, you know, um, small, you know, special forces platoon behind enemy lines. Yep. And let's say, you know, they're, they're, they're militant, um, they're strategic, they're organized. And about once a week, they pick off, you know, whether it be sniping or capturing or something, yep. someone of the enemy, one, yep. one person. So they're, they're taking down one key person of the enemy on a weekly basis. Um, but the other six days of the week, they actually have set up a general store. Um, they actually have all these different supplies where they're actually clothing and feeding, um, offering medical supplies and treatment to the enemy. 
And let's say the enemy, these enemy lines, let's say it's like Siberia, Russia. Whereas if they weren't providing these resources, if they just left, the enemy would die out on its mm. own. So like for me, you know, the idea of, well, I love California. What I would say is me too. Um, and that's why I left. Um, mm -hmm. that by leaving, I, it's not that I, I was stuck between two choices of love, either loving California or leaving. Yes. It was, I'm, I'm going, I'm choosing to love California by leaving. Yeah. Um, I'm fighting by my, uh, you know, fight by flight, yeah. um, fighting by fleeing. And because uh, and I really believe that California, the only thing that's propping up all of its failed godless policies is the most precious people on the planet, these mm -hmm. conservative Christians that love the Lord, that have integrity in their business practices and, and are doing these. And if we all just left, California, I think, would be... Would more, have a major problem. Would have a major problem. I mean, problem. first of all, just their tax revenue would have it, a major problem. Exactly. Now, all that being said, back to the, the point yes, about sir. property taxes, some, some would say, okay, yeah, sure, Texas doesn't have a state tax, and sure, real estate's yes. cheaper, you know, and, and all these kinds of things, and maybe not for long as things are... Ho hopefully, yes. they level off. But because uh, it doesn't mean no good, the fact that, you know, oh, oh a couple hundred thousand dollars of, of equity in equity my home, in your house. Yep. it's not, I'm not doing anything with it. All it does is it makes my friends not able to come here yes. in my home. Yes. So yes. I wanted to chill out. But, um, but all that being said, you know, some of the California buddies, you know, that, that would poke, you know, poke counter arguments and stuff, yes. to, you know, they would say on the fiscal level, well, sure, there's no state tax, but your property taxes. Your property taxes. They're crazy. Right. So what, what would you say? And they are that? crazy. It really is pretty phenomenal to watch. It's been... We have this scheme in Texas that has allowed the government to get more and more of our citizens' money through appraisal increases. And everyone wants to put band-aids on these problems. But the reality is that over the last 10 years, more and more Texans get taxed out of their home. And, and just, well, I really mean that, taxed out of their home. Not a lot of people can afford to pay $1,000 a month in property right. taxes, which is what a lot of these upper middle class suburban areas are having. And those are the same right. areas that we need churches that we need patriots who are there invested engaged in their community and culture and yet these people are saying look i can't even afford to live here um the property tax system and it feels like you're always renting so even if i pay off my mortgage yes. do i really own anything no because if you stop they have a first lien don huffman's office say they have a first lien on everything right you stop paying that property tax bill right. they can take your whole home it's not mine and they don't even come take oh you owe us eight thousand dollars well, we're not taking right. you know your car from you. We're taking right. your home from right. you. So like we will take the entire asset. And to be fair, like California still has you know one one point two five property taxes, whereas right here in Huddle, where I'm at in Williamson, yes. we're like two point six five. Yes, you can get as low as like in the Williamson County area. Yes. My my uh, mother and father in law are at like mm -hmm. one point nine. Yep. But then some are like three three point two three point three. And then you know in San Diego where I was, it was like one point two five, and. I was still actually ironically comparable, right? Because the home in San Diego was nine hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars for a three bedroom, you know, twenty two, yes. twenty four hundred square feet, you know, and two two bathroom or one and a half. <laughs> so it's like nine hundred grand, and so your one point two five percent was still comparable to yes. the two point six five on a four hundred and fifty thousand yes. dollar home here in Texas. But the problem is now, you know, that four hundred thousand dollar home is six hundred six fifty thousand mm -hmm. mm -hmm. in the Williamson County yep. area, not even in in Austin, not even in Travis County. And, and so I'm thinking like, okay, I'm going to pay off my 30-year mortgage and I'm going to try to aggressively do that if the Lord provides um, in that way that I can build wealth for, you know, a wise man leaves an inheritance to his mm -hmm. children's children. I think it can never be anything less than the spiritual inheritance, but I would argue that if you can, you should seek for it to be more mm -hmm. of, uh, spiritual and financial material. And so I want to do all those things, but it's like, how am I going to pull that off if I pay off my house early, but, but 15 years from now, my monthly payment is still the same as it is today because... Okay property taxes and my home gets, yep. you know, revalued. Mm -hmm. And so 
Don Huffines, back then, yep. no property taxes. I know he was saying scaling it back over eight to 10 years, but yep. how is that actually possible? So the thing to understand if we get kind of wonky within the numbers is that a big portion of your property tax bill, you know, are public schools, okay? And which I don't use. One of the arguments <laughs> is that we need to quickly fund public schools as much from the state as humanly possible. And that would be the first portion of your property tax bill that needs to go away. It's also easier to do just from a pure, if we're going to get kind of wonky mathematical and policy per perspective, because you can write a check to the school district that buys down the amount of property tax that they take. Okay, so you can essentially say if the current distribution, just to use easy numbers, is 50% of schools are funded from the state giving money to public schools, and then 50% are funded from local property tax collections that are being done. Then the more money comes in uh, to public schools, then the lower your property tax bill goes eventually to zero. Now, the way that ends up working, just to show people kind of mathematically, the way it could work is that if when Governor Abbott had taken over the governorship back in 2014 and just said, hey, our state's growing, we're going to keep the budget where it's at, okay? Just yeah. grow it like 2 or 3%. So grow, yeah. but like we're not going to grow, expand into any more new programs. We're not going to start giving more money to all these universities that are indoctrinating our kids. We're not going to give tax breaks to all these companies coming in so that they don't pay property taxes. That's right. the thing is Governor Abbott and the state, they That's write exactly. checks to these corporations coming in. Right. So they say, come here, you won't pay property taxes So you know for about Samsung years. is coming yes. to Taylor. So Taylor, I, 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 well, I was there this morning actually yes. visiting a pastor friend, um, Christ Fellowship Church, great mm -hmm. church in Taylor if anybody lives in that area. So I was pa uh, visiting Pastor Jeff Ripple because we're partnering with him yep. to do a conference in March. It's called the Resisting uh, Tyranny and Wokeness Conference. Okay. A great. guy named John Harris from Conversations That Matter. Yeah, a guy I named know John. Robles. He's been on the podcast. Great. Yeah. So so myself and Aidy and John were teaming up and, we're, and uh, this church in Taylor, Christ mm -hmm. Fellowship Church, is hosting it. And so I was there scoping it out and getting yep. prepared because our registration's I've been more than we expected, and so I like, can't we fit everybody. But anyways, I can get there, you know, it's just a hop and a skip. I can yep. get there in about 11, 12 minutes from yep. my house, and Samsung is coming into Taylor. It's yep. gonna be right off the 79, yep. which is part of the reason why my house is exploding in yep. value right now, yep. you know. And and so it's gonna be right off the 79, and and that's, I'm sympathetic to Taylor and to these, because they're like, okay, yeah, like we'll we'll yes. give you, for the first 10 years, you're gonna, um, we're gonna wave off, I think yep. it was like, the deal they made was 90% yes. of Samsung's property taxes, yes. they don't have to pay yes. if they come to Taylor. And and that will benefit Taylor, yep. but then at the same time, it's like that's being made up by the people you. in Taylor. Yeah. You, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I mean, so, Williamson County is making that up with all the rest of the citizens of Williamson exactly. County. Exactly, so, so they're not the cutting citizens their are budget. paying. That's right, they're not cutting their budget. They're not saying, hey, normally we would have made this much money from Samsung. We're going to cut our budget that much right. so that we don't increase the burden. No, government's still growing at the normal rate and all it does is then shift more of it onto the normal people that are here that have already moved here that are already contributing to the economy. There's a real kind of question to ask too about, okay, so if I'm a business owner in Taylor, I'm paying my property tax bill fully. Maybe right. I have some technology employees that are being poached by Samsung. So now you're bringing in Samsung they're allowed, they're going to pay my employees more. By the way, one of the reasons they can is because they're not paying property That's taxes, right. which I am. Right. So I've been here for 20 years. I was here when Taylor was nothing. I've been contributing to this community. Right. I've been paying back all of these different things. It's crazy. If Governor Abbott in 2014 had said, hey, we're going to take the extra growth because you have to understand our economy as it's booming, gives us more and more and more tax revenue. And as inflation's going up, we're bringing in massive record-breaking 
tax receipts. So all we have to do is say, we're going to stop growing the existing government that exists. Right. And as all this extra money comes in, we're going to use that to buy people's property taxes down through public education funding. That's the, that's. Um, I hope that's kind of simple enough to no, make sense to people. Helpful. Because you take this extra money, you give it to the public school system, but you don't give it as a, as a pay raise. You give it as this is money you're getting so that these people's property taxes go down the same amount dollar for dollar. And it's if you not do, additional, it's, no. it's a substitute. Yes, and if you do that over a six to eight year time period, you very quickly get rid of that portion of your property tax bill. And the key is getting rid of it where it can't come back. So one of the things Don's promoted is putting it on the ballot where people of Texas actually vote on it so that it's in the constitution there is no school property tax, as an example, right? Mm -hmm. And he hasn't been that to you. It could be a bunch of different ways you put it on the uh, constitutional amendment. And then you have the school, the, the cities, the counties, the, the MUDs, the PUDs, the whatever other little utility districts you have. And those basically have to get figured out in, in similar fashions. Um, you have to figure out what are you going to do with these local governments? How are they allowed to get taxes potentially to replace some of the lost revenue they will have? It's not hard for these kind of cities. These kind of cities can make it up a lot easier because you have a lot of people moving in and a lot of commerce for like rural Texas, to be honest. If you're out there in like a very small city in East or West Texas, they don't have a lot of sales tax revenue. The truth is they're going to depend more so on it. So you, I think there's some creative conversations that we have to have of what that looks like. But the point is that this goes back to wealth creation. You talked about the amount of wealth that would get created tomorrow if everyone did not have just the school property tax portion right. of their bill. It would just radically change their entire and life. Quick, the school property tax portion of yes. property taxes, it's close to 50%. Yes, right? absolutely. It's the biggest it's, chunk. It's the chunk. And Don has said that he really thinks you should just get rid of all of it over time, which I completely agree with. I mean, if you had no property taxes, first of all, then you'd own your home, mm -hmm. period. You, you are renting your home from the government. And you right. can say the rent's cheaper. You're renting you the land. Half. Yeah. And I can't take my house. Yeah. Like, yeah. And they're taking it from you if you don't pay that bill. Right. Um, so, okay. So what would you say about this? So you don't know my personal story. Yeah. I, you know, I'm the oldest, I, I was adopted and I'm the oldest of, of four. And so okay. I, my, my sister, she's We're the baby in the adopted? family. What? Well, no, no, I'm the only adopted one. Okay. So it's like my parents can conceive whatever was broke got fixed. God, God seems to do that story mm. pretty often. Mm -hmm. you, you hear like a couple can't, yes. can't conceive, they adopt, and then God opens the, the woman's womb. And uh, so I have two younger brothers, and then I have the baby sister. The baby sister is here with me, and my parents are here with me, part of Covenant Bible Church. And her husband, my brother-in-law, is my fellow elder at the church. Okay. Now, my two brothers in between myself and my sister, one of them is actually transgender. Okay. And the other is a Marxist. Okay. Now, um, both, I think, would profess Christ. The Marxist, I, 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 I lean towards him being a Christian and confused, mm -hmm. um, maybe a little bit too smart for his own good. Um, the transgender one, I would say, is not a Christian. He's not keeping in step with the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, also confused, mm -hmm. and, uh, but, but, but to the point where I would say, no, that, that's, that's not under the banner. You, mm -hmm. you just, no. And so... Um, my prayer for him is, is a prayer for salvation. Mm. But my Marxist brother, uh, we have a great relationship, and uh, he watches the show from time to time, and mm. and we respectfully can dialogue. It's nice because he um, he's you know he's in this camp surrounded by a ton of leftists and stuff. But he actually has a spine. He's actually masculine and yeah. uh, and not a snowflake, and you know not triggered. I so, appreciate you saying yeah, that. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. So we can argue, we can mm -hmm. debate, and he doesn't cry or get his feelings hurt. I'm yeah. probably more sensitive than he is. So he's he's a great guy. Um, but one of the things he would say with property taxes is he would say, Joel, if we did away with property taxes, we would return to a feudal lord system. 
uh, within one generation. Um, and so basically way? what he's saying is that if there were no property taxes, there's no way. So even biblically, you know, you have every 50 years, the year of Jubilee, <clears throat> yep. like there, there is some kind of reset. There's some kind of where the land and, and possessions turn back over yep. to their original owner, the original tribe that they, you know, the inheritance was in. And you might say, well, then, that, you know, that's not fair. But it's like, OK, but that person who's losing it to this person, they're gaining it, too, because every everybody in Israel was. A descendant of one of these tribes. The only people who want to benefit in that is, you know, the foreigner, the sojourner. But even the foreigner or, or the sojourner, uh, which biblically that 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 word in the Hebrew, both foreigner and sojourner, which is translated, you know, stranger, is still a legal citizen and not an illegal citizen. But there would be even benefits for them in the year of jubilee. And so there's this. My point is there's a reset. Things go back. So my my brother, his point is with the feudal lord system idea is saying. Yeah, um, if there's not some kind of form of property tax or a year of jubilee or something like that, you just, have you ever watched, I think it was either Tommy Boy or Black Sheep, but it's David Spade and, uh, and Chris Farther, they're playing checkers together and David Spade beats him like three, four or five times yep. in a row. And Chris Farley, you know, in his iconic way is uh, getting angry. And, uh, and David Spade says, oh, man, I can't believe I beat you this many times. I've never won this many times in checkers. And he says, well, it, you know, it's kind of easy to win when you never move your back row. <laughs> and, and that's kind of my brother's point is like without property taxes, no one will ever move their back row, aka they won't um, sell. They'll never sell. And the land gets eventually bought up. There is no land. And so mm -hmm. then a few families ultimately yeah. own everything and no one moving to Texas can... Yeah. What would you, do you have any thoughts on so that? So, I mean, it'd be, there's going to be ramifications of no property taxes. Um, there's not a single state in the nation that doesn't have property tax of some form or fashion. Right. So first and foremost, I mean, Tennessee has like fractional property taxes compared to Texas. It's a good example of somebody, uh, of a state that is being run conservatively. They don't have a state income tax, by the way. There is yeah. no income tax. Good. And I'm telling you, so we were talking to some of our friends who lived in the Texas Hill Country who moved to the Nashville area. And they were talking about, you know, buying this $600,000 house. And all of a sudden they're looking at their property tax bill and they're going, oh my gosh, this is like one fifth of what we pay in Texas. Now, wow. so I think we can at least realize that you can look at the other states with significantly smaller property taxes than Texas and know uh, this wouldn't be a perfect argument against it, but you would at least know, hey, uh, houses, houses are still moving in Tennessee, right. just to be clear. <laughs> like, right. you know, so you can look at that scale. I have not seen a study, and I would love to look at one that says that the lower the property tax, the less likely somebody is to sell. Right. I think that yeah. it fundamentally gives somebody the dignity of home ownership yeah. where they can't lose it. And I think that's really important. Here's the truth. Um, the people who are being forced to sell are people whose wealth is tied up in their home. So it, this is not right. the people who have wealth outside of it. If, what do you, you call have it? Big, your house poor? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're house rich or house, or house poor, poor, right? Yeah, okay. So so house yeah. rich individuals where... What most, is, what's the most difference? Normal which one is city, house rich? And well, if you were, uh, I would want to say I, that like if you were, yeah, if you were house poor, that what might mean one, you mostly are in debt for your home, right? Mm -hmm. So I can have an $800,000 house that I owe $700,000 on, or, um, you know, I could have a lot more. I Most normal citizens accumulate their wealth through their home. I mean, that's just the reality. So the people that are being forced to sell because they can't afford their 8,000 a year property tax right. bill, it's actually fundamentally changing their long, I mean, their generational, uh, one, their dignity as a human being. Yeah. They own a piece of property. And right. you know, even owning this home, it really changes your psyche. It does. Um, I think there's yeah. a reason that 
uh, property ownership and private property rights are also things that people have a long time held mm-hmm. as Christian values, generally an understanding um, that these things are were given to us and we've been yeah. given land, right? And so when you look at, at that breakdown, I think that you would see that one, states that have low property taxes don't have people just holding onto their homes, not selling it. Tennessee is a great example of a state that's growing a ton and people are selling their property constantly. Moving around. It's, and so, yeah. They're moving their back road. I think they will still have it. <laughs> yeah. and, and that would be okay. I don't think that that will actually occur when it comes to that. And ultimately what you'll see is that the people that do hold on to their homes will do so uh, based on the fact that like they want to hold on to this for generations. And I think we would be better served long-term if we had portions of the population that never sold their home, that held on to it and actually said like, this has been in my home for generations. I think you'd have a very different perspective of community. You'd have people really thinking differently about where they're investing, where they're planting their right. roots. I mean, we have a societal problem of people not making commitments in general, right? right. You're changing jobs every two years. You're changing your house. You probably experienced this with people coming in and out of here. You're going to have people that if they're still at your church in five or six years, that's going to be the longest time they've ever been. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I think I'll have more of that here, but you're right. Even here, it'll still be transient, um, but it was incredibly transient in San Diego. Yes. And the, the life of the San Diegan was, we would say, two to three years, four, four max. Mm. Um, but it was, it was constantly people leaving. And that's part of the reason why we left was financially, it was difficult. Politically, we, we completely disagreed. Um, and then just our convictions of feeling like we could actually do more for California by leaving California. Mm. But part of it also was uh, thinking about my wife and thinking about my children and thinking about myself to a lesser degree, but thinking we, we want long-term friendships. Okay. And there was a core of the church there that, that's still there. Some of the core came with us and some of them stayed. Um, but, but I realized like I, my, my kids, um, they're going to have to be making new friends. Mm. For the, for the most part, maybe a few friends, a few pieces of the puzzle that stay there consistently long term. But for the most part, uh, my kids are going to be making new friends every two to three years because um, even even if I can make it here, nobody else can make it here. And so there, there's it's one thing for people to be transient because of a lack of commitment. Yep. But it's one thing to have an economic system yes. and political policy set in place that actually incentivize or force yes. outright force people to, to basically be anti-community. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that, and we, we, the more we talk about property taxes in that way to recognize the oppression that it, that it really levies on the citizenry to say, these people are lacking the ability to, to have the dignity of home ownership be, be their choice, right? They have purchased a home, they have worked hard, but here's the problem. We are in a system where that bill's going up. So if your job does not continue to go up at the pace that it needs to go up, five, 10 years from now, you will be selling this home, mm-hmm. right? That's and right. we don't realize how much people lose when they don't have the ability to own that home. And so it, it, this is not, look, the wealthy are always gonna have the ability to own a home, right. just to be clear. And I would right. say my, my wife and I are, are well off enough to where I don't know that we will ever not own a home. I think we're probably gonna be okay. Right. This is not gonna benefit me personally. It, it, it's going to, well, it would, because my property taxes yeah. would good. Right? It'll benefit everybody <laughs> personally. Even the wealthy. But yeah. it will be way more impactful for somebody who is in a mi- truly middle-class income, That's even right. lower middle-class, mm-hmm. By the way, your your uh, mortgage is going to be less because guess what? Almost every mortgage you know has PITI built into it. So mm-hmm. your taxes, so even right. just your mortgage getting into it is significantly lowered as well, which means that more people can get into home ownership. Yep. Fundamentally, the sooner we can get, uh, if we can have a middle class family actually own a home, provide for their family. To be um, Blake Masters is a 
Honestly, a phenomenal candidate running for USA yeah, in Arizona. I heard about him through Charlie Kirk. Good. So he's done some phenomenal, uh, honestly, forward-thinking policies that he's pushed. One of them being that he really fundamentally believes that we need to have a country where you can feed your family on one single income. And this really is becoming harder and harder. We've talked about this, the fact that more people are having to have two people work in order to pay their basic bills. Yeah, it's not greed, it's survival. Yeah, these people aren't, they're not both going to work so that they can have this massive push 401k. They're actually saying, no, we are both working because we want our children to get a good education. In order to get a good education, we have to live in this upper middle class neighborhood. Right. We want to just buy a car. Yeah. Right. We're not talking One. about yeah. the nicest cars. We're not talking about suburban. We're right. just talking about a four-door sedan, but we're having to spend $22,000 to buy that. And now we don't have that. So now we have to have a payment. The realities of what it costs to live. You cannot do what you did decades ago, which is that dad or mom but primarily dad would go to work and get a job and provide for his wife and his children. Right. He could buy a home. He could provide a roof over their head. Right. And he there, could provide transportation. There's lots of sources that have ultimately caused that problem. But I think yes. one of the chief ones that I've often blamed on, on our show and had guests to talk about, but I, I think one of the big ones is feminism. Feminism liberated women from the home and then, and then with a ball and chain shackled them to corporations to where now women actually don't have the freedom to stay home. A lot of women want to actually stay home with their kids and they can't. And so feminism for, for again, it's always the, the rich that really benefit off of these things, but those at the top, the wealthiest brackets and CEOs and owners of companies and all those kind of things, um, they looked at feminism and they're like, yeah, I, I love feminism, feminism because ultimately what it allows me to do is it allows me to take a husband and wife and pay them half the salary. Right. And like if a man goes to his employer these days and says, hey, you're I'm doing good work. You're not paying me enough to have, you know, three kids mm-hmm. and and to save for a college fund and to have a mortgage and to own two cars. The employer wouldn't say this, but if we could give him truth serum and get him to really share his thoughts, he would say, well, what makes you entitled to think that that that's what you should be paying? Mm-hmm. Whereas that just used to be common knowledge. Somebody could work at the local grocery store back in the day and they wouldn't be rich necessarily, but they but they would you know, be paid a livable wage yep. to have a family. And so anyways, but back to... No, but that single income idea that families should be able to do that, I think is, it, it, it's very interesting to see kind of how these things overlap, right? So while Don Huffines is talking about this property tax elimination, Blake Masters is talking about, you know, fundamentally reshaping our economic policy around an, an ideal. And what is the ideal? Well, our ideal is that a family be able to provide on one income. And, and people have called him sexist for saying so and other things like that. And it is interesting watching the left. All of a sudden, the left is opposing the idea of a single family income right. household, right? right? And he actually came out and said, I don't know Blake's entire faith background, to be honest, so I can't, I can't speak to that necessarily. Um, but he said, I didn't say man. I didn't say woman. Like, I'm just running for Senate and said somebody should be able to provide on one income. But the left was so upset because they see that as a threat. Yep. This fundamental core family, right. we talk about the one. And I can say man for him. He doesn't have to say man. I can say, I'll say man. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I think that it's so interesting to see how some of these, um, some of these policies that we're talking about do really allow families to prosper. And that's what we're talking, like when, right. when we talk about these single incomes or the property tax issues, we're talking about allowing families to actually prosper. Mm-hmm. And um, Government is not often geared towards that as an ideal. It's not being pushed. One of the policies that I might miss, I don't want to misspeak this, but I think it's Hungary. 
I'm pretty sure it is Hungary, where if you have four children or more, you stop paying into Social Security. And this is because one of the, your children will pay. Will actually pay. This, so we yeah. have all these families that are having one kid, right? right? And it's like, okay, you're actually causing this Social Security system to go bankrupt because yep. you're making right. it heavier That's on right. the top. And so it's a real fundamental math to say, hey, if you have four kids, you stop paying Social Security taxes. I completely agree. Like, so Romans 13, people forget this, but the role of government first, you know, I would, so I would argue Ephesians 1.22, Christ is not just head of the church, as John MacArthur you know, famously said, you know, Christ, not Caesar, is head of the church. Yes and amen. But he's also head of the state. That Caesar, mm-hmm. um, the civil magistrate, is, is God's servant or God's deacon. So ultimately, uh, Ephesians 1.22 says, God has appointed him as head of all things to the benefit of the church. And so Christ is uniquely head of the church in the sense that the church is the only institution for which Christ died. But in terms of authority, Christ is head of every institution within human society, including the state. And so with all all that being said, in terms of the state, its role, because it is ultimately a deacon, an agent of God, it's, it's God's avenger to punish the wrongdoer. But the other part of it is to reward those who do good. And so as much as I am not for, you know, the, the, the government printing money and, and passing it out like candy, at the same time, there is a God-given function of the state to reward those who do good, punish those who do evil, but also reward those who do good. And I think in terms of, of the benefit of society, um, one of the, the best goods that can be done is having children. Yeah. It's a service that we are providing to not just for my family, but children really are a blessing and a commodity, a resource um, to all of human society. And so I say, man, if, if a couple is willing to have multiple kids and provided they raise them well, mm. right, it does no good to, Doug Wilson said this once, he said, you know, Samuel, the prophet, uh, had two unruly sons. And he says it would have done him no good to have five unruly sons. Mm. You know, so, so yes, like blesses the man, you know, children are yep. like arrows and blesses the man whose quiver is full, provided that they're good arrows, mm. that they're sharp and they're straight and, and you don't shoot them like a boomerang. They come back and actually hit yeah. you, which is what some of our children are doing right now, right? We send them out and, and they, they're indoctrinated in these liberal institutions mm. and colleges and they come back and turn on their own parents. And so, Provided that people have many kids and raise those kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord, they're providing an incredible service, not just to fellow Christians in society, but all of society, whether they be Buddhist or or Muslim or atheist, agnostic. If you raise good Christian children that will work hard and, and exercise integrity and generosity and all these kinds of things, you're providing a service. And so for the government to say, yeah, we'll, we'll pay for that. I, you, you rarely hear it come out of my mouth that I support the government paying for something, yes. but I, I would support that. And I think it's actually biblical. It's the rewarding of those who do good. I, I think it's also really good to see these type of policies um, almost changing a little bit within the Republican Party where they're realizing more and more families showing up saying, oh, no, I'm for that policy. And when you start polling, even people who would say, I'm, I'm a limited government conservative. But yeah, if I have four kids, I'd love to stop paying Social Security taxes. Or yes, mm-hmm. I do think that we should kind of try to shape our economic policy around this ideal of one income. Um, I think it's been challenging to kind of the ruling class elite to deal with that kind of shift within the party because this has not been their incentive. One of the organizations that I'm a big fan of is the American Principles Project. And they are they are based in DC, but they've recently opened up a Texas office. They deal with a lot of the transgender issues. They deal with pornography regulation and trying to limit children's access to pornography and other uh, things like that that no other family organizations are are um, pushing. But one of the things that they do is they call their membership, which is free, Big Family. 
So they talk about big pharma and big business and the big gun lobby and the big, right, right. you know, green lobby and all this different stuff. And they go, well, we want, want to be the big family. Like so that. they want to come in and say, we're for big family. And yeah, so we represent like big family. Big yes, family. yes. yes. <laughs> no, but it's like, <laughs> that's hey, awesome. I love we're going to look at this policy. Yeah. Nope, that hurts families. Nope, Amen. that's hurts families. And so I think there was, I loved the way they shaped it because I said, look, this is what we need. We need somebody stepping up and saying, Nope, not good for you. Hey, you're expanding. We, they were expanding. I'm going to get off on a different Texas policy, but just to give people examples of real life areas that could have benefited, uh, Governor Abbott wanted to put billions of dollars into expanding rural broadband. So the government's going to pay to dig all these lines and get faster internet to all these rural communities. And so Representative Jeff Kaysen at the time from North Texas put on an amendment on this legislation that said that the internet provided through this expansion had to, by default, have porn filtered, okay? Mm -hmm. So it means when you order the internet and it comes to your house, you can't get on pornographic websites. Now you can call and ask them, hey, can you lift the filter? This is done in Great Britain. And 75% of the homes keep the filter on. Mm -hmm. And so the reality is that then any phones on the network cannot access this pornographic content. I don't call it adult content because adults shouldn't be consuming it either. But the reality is that we we had this there uh, it was in the bill. It went and the Senate stripped it out. The governor didn't say anything about it. It was his personal, it was one of his top three bills and everyone was pushing him to say, hey, come out and say you support this porn filter on it. He stayed silent. It got stripped out. He had a signing ceremony where he talked about how good the bill was. And the reality was one, I don't even think the bill's that good because I, I think it's going to be a waste of money. But there was this fundamental opportunity to say, hey, here's a policy that we can make pro-family. That's right. You know what men don't want to ask their wives? Hey, can we call AT&T and lift the porn filter? You know what they yeah. do? You know what the kids don't want to ask their parents? Like, hey, right. why can't I get on this website? <laughs> They're not going right. to ask. Yeah. And so anyway, Israel does it even uh, hardcore. They they actually, uh, if you call and, and ask for the filter to be removed, they put you on a public registry. So like if you're in your neighborhood, wow. you can go on just like sex offenders and see yeah. like which people on your block. Yeah, and then you go, hey, Tom, don't go to that house. Like, yeah. I don't know what they're doing. In that There's five houses on this block and one of them does not have a filter. Wow. So like we're going to stay out of that home. Israel um, does that. Yeah. Wow. Isn't it pretty phenomenal? Yeah. I like so it. Um, it, it, there's yeah. just, there's these real life policies. I think Texas has an opportunity on the pornography issue, particularly to really lead the nation and say, we're going to be the first state that requires the internet provided have that porn filter on. Wow. Anyone, when you have families that move in from California, they're not even gonna know. They're gonna call AT&T or Spectrum and say, right. I need internet. What's your price? 50, what's your price? 40, get the internet. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna realize, oh, wow, you can't visit any of these websites. Yeah. And then if you call Spectrum and wait online and click all the buttons, you can get it lifted. Mm-hmm. Um, it decreases consumption massively. Oh, I bet. I mean, yeah. can't just imagine, imagine if in Texas specifically, we decrease pornography consumption, right? You know, yep. 70% overnight. Yep. Huge impacts on yep. society. Yep. On you know family, the blessings that would happen marriage, on family, yeah. marriages, children. These Even mass, economically. These, yeah. Like, I mean, it just drains a man's drive. Yeah. His, his ambition yep. and every aspect of life. It just, yep. yeah, I completely agree. So let's, all that's super helpful. And I like yes. that you got really practical. You were able to cover some names, some different offices, things things that are, are pertinent and relevant and specific, but then also some specific policies. Yep. These are the kind of things that, 
you know, I often have guests on the show and we talk in terms of theological over, yes. overarching principles, which is helpful, but to have somebody who's, who, this is what you do, yeah. you know, and that you're, you're educated and knowledgeable uh, because I'm, I'm just, I'm still learning these yes. things. And so it's super helpful. Um, but I'd like to land the plane. So this is yes, my thought. I know we talking. could go for a while. Well, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but I'd like to land it here specifically. Okay. I'm thinking about, all right, so I came from California. I would like other Christians to leave California. Mm. Um, I do think there's a case to stay. Like I, like yep. I said earlier, there are other exceptions that I would add in there if we had more time, other exception clauses for, for leaving, uh, reasons to stay. Um, but by and large, in general, I, I really do think that a lot of Christians in California are doing more funding. If they were really brutally honest, mm. they're funding more than they're fighting. Mm. And California, I'm picking on California because that's where I came from. But yep. fill in the blank, New York, this blue state, that blue state. Um, but based off of our conversation, we said, all right, here's the good, the bad, and the ugly of Texas. There are some good things, but there's some bad and ugly. So, so if I'm a, a California Christian, a California conservative right now, and, and I've made the decision to leave, and, and I've been listening to the podcast, this mm-hmm. episode, up until this point, I might be thinking, well, maybe I should go to Florida. Yeah, South Dakota, <laughs> Florida. Montana. Uh, yeah, 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 Idaho. Um, you know, Texas sounds like it's not really that conservative. Yep. And I would say, yeah, well, in some sense, it's not that conservative. But I, I think in terms of like like the the, bat- the war and, mm-hmm. and then there's isolated but but very strategic and pivotal battles, mm. the Battle of Bunkers Hill. And, and so I think like the reason yeah. why I think we should stop fighting with a, with an active presence in California is a couple of reasons. One, uh, because I, I think um, that's not a raging battle. People say, oh, the battle's raging in California. No, the battle was raging about 20 years ago in California. Mm. You're, you're now fighting in a graveyard. Mm. The battle's over. You lost. You lost. Um, and, and here's the thing. We're not running from a fight, right? Um, we're, we're, um, whenever there was one famous general who said, maybe it was Cromwell or something, but um, whenever the, he would retreat, was, we're not retreating. Mm. We're, we're just advancing to the rear. And so, <laughs> so the way I see it is we're not running from a fight. Um, you're running to a fight. And so yeah. I would argue for Texas, not because it's the most conservative state in the union, uh, but because it is more significant, yes. like big states, the, the way we started the conversation all the way back yep. to the beginning of the episode, it is more significant than South Dakota. Mm. And yes, we can have a conservative bastion, you know, and, yep. and the proverbial Timbuk too, but we don't want to just be safe. We want to be, we want to be significant. We want to win mm. the larger war. So I would say Texas, because of its size um, and its influence, it's significant. And I would say that um, Texas, I think of Revelation, I think it's either 2, 3 or 3, 2 that says, strengthen that which still remains but is about to die. Mm. And I think there are states in the union that have died. Virtually nothing remains. And then there are places where, where almost everything remains. It, you know, you're, you're South Dakota. Um, but then there are places where it's like there's life, but there's also there, there's stage four cancer, mm. uh, but there's still hope. And, and, I'm, and so I just feel like we need as, and as many reinforcements here as possible. I think Texas is Bunkers Hill. I think this is the pivotal place. If Texas falls, I think we're, we're in a world of hurt. So could you make a case for the, the provisions of Texas, the safety, yep. the reason why it is a good place to raise your family, but also uh, the reason why we can't let go of Texas? So I think your safe versus significance is a great example um, of, of just kind of your different options, right? You could look and say, hey, if, if I go to Montana, you know, I'm not, I think I can do whatever I want. It's like, yeah, that's because no one even knows you're there, for right. the record. I mean, right. there's so few people there that right. you're like, I don't even know if they know somebody right. moves into the area. They don't run into each other. So um, there is a safe versus significance aspect. I also think that to the extent that we, we need to talk about 
the cancers in our state. It's important. And some people, I, I have friends of mine who uh, love to death and listen to my show and other stuff on a regular basis, and they go, man, you're sometimes pretty down. And I said, well, look, I'm actually very hopeful about the future of Texas, but I believe that in order to have a bright future, you have to talk about the problems. Because the reason California got where it got was because it was in a good position and nobody talked about the cancers that were underneath. Right. And so therefore, all of a sudden, people wake up decades from now and they go, oh my gosh, we'll try to save it. And at that right. point, is you kind of alluded to is like, it's too far gone. Mm -hmm. Texas is not too far gone. And, and the problems we have are easily solved. And the politicians that are there, either politicians are with us, some, or a lot of the elected officials are just scared. And the key is that the more light that's shown on these issues, the more they start to capitulate. And so I think we have a real opportunity where the more uh, men and women of faith and families of faith are stepping up and engaging in the arena, the more the political elite class is having to reorient their ideas and policies and, and priorities in order to accommodate that, that issue they have. They pick the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. And so the more people come in and go, I'm going to demand this as an ideal, the more they go, well, actually, the less resistant issue is to go in this direction. Right. Um, and so, one, I do think there's a lot of hope for where Texas is going. Uh, I don't think we're too far gone by any means. In fact, uh, we are not anywhere close to purple. You're going to see that this next November, that Texas is going to be double digits red across the mm -hmm. board. We're going to expand our representation in the House and the Senate and all these other areas. The question, though, remains, what will we do with that? Right. And the only reason that that gets wielded in a way that benefits this society and these people is if more and more people are engaged, which is why I'm, I love coming on and talking about these issues because it's like if people don't then engage, then what's going to happen is we're just going to take a little more power and not do anything right. with it. And eventually, yes, we will slowly fade into that area. Safe versus significance, an absolutely phenomenal, um, phenomenal thing. And yes, there are some core constitutional protections that we now have after right. Greg Abbott shut down our churches during the shutdown, which is phenomenal to watch a Republican governor shut down churches. Yeah in a state. Greg we, Abbott's super, uh, super courageous in standing up to previous Greg Abbott. Yes. No, he really is. And he, and he staunchly uh, opposed his previous policies. But we now put it in the Texas Constitution that right. churches may You're never right. be closed again. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing is yeah. that means that Greg Abbott can never close a church again. That's right. It also means any other bad politician right. that shows up can't close a church again. Think of the power that that gives the church yeah, that's amazing. in the idea that even if a even if our governor got worse, that governor could never, ever, ever close a church service. They would need two-thirds majority in both chambers to pass something and the people of Texas to vote to take that out of the Constitution. Yeah. And that's where we have, I think, so super strong protections that give people still yeah. kind of a core base to come here and right. engage and know that they are protected. And, and I've heard that Texas has some of the best pro-homeschooling policies in the Absolutely, union. yeah. And that's and another reason why a lot of families, conservative families. 100%. I mean, really the Texas Homeschool Coalition, my dad serves on the board of the Texas Homeschool oh, Coalition. Really? I've been, of course, we've been members for a very long time. And mm -hmm. Tim Lambert's a phenomenal man. Literally, he was homeschooling when it was illegal to homeschool. Okay, oh, this wow. guy has been a pioneer. And um, if, if people should be connected to this organization because they have fought tirelessly and will continue to fight, not only for homeschool rights, but parental rights in general. They've even fought for policy specific to parental rights. In fact, they put out some statements about Don Huffines and Greg Abbott. And the reason they supported Huffines over Abbott was because they've been pushing for more parental rights protections in Texas 
for a long time that Abbott hasn't supported. Mm -hmm. And we're very hopeful because the Republican Party and even the even Governor Abbott caved and put out this plan for parental rights protections legislation that he's been opposing his entire time mm. because he sees, this goes back to that reality that he sees the ground shifting and he sees these people what? demanding these rights and protections. I, I Thank you for having me. I just want to you know remind everybody, and I know you do this on the show every time, but um, our, we are so blessed that we have been given as a free gift from God, eternal life through mm. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that gives us far more courage than, right. than compared to anybody else. You know, we can have these conversations about the world we live in and the, and the battles that we engage in and the spiritual realities of the world around us and how do we apply that in our life and how we live it out every single yeah. day. And the confidence that we are given through the accomplished work of Christ is what then gives us the confidence to then go out and boldly serve. Amen. And I think that that really gives us a, an ability to fight fearlessly Amen. in a political arena where people are, are not used to that. They they're don't know how to deal with people. They're dominated by the fear of man. Yeah. And the only thing that delivers you from the fear of man is the fear of God. Yeah. You actually attribute to God, you accredit to God more weight, right? Mm -hmm. that, that Old Testament word, of course, is in the New Testament as well, but glory, it, it signifies weightiness mm -hmm. and, and this view that Man is not glorious. Man is made from the dust, and to dust he will return. But God is eternally glorious. He carries weight. Therefore, his opinions, his thoughts, um, what he says, his word about me, that's, that's what carries weight. That's what I should fear. Um, this reverence of I care about what God thinks of me, not what man thinks of me. And you're absolutely right. So the, I think it's the fear of man, and then we, we saw over the last two years with COVID, the fear of death. Um, and, and so I think you know the fear of the Lord uh, it delivers us from the fear mm. of man, uh, but then exactly what you said, Christ um, and our salvation, eternal life, frees us from the fear of death. That Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews chapter two, verses twelve, I think through fourteen, it says that Jesus likewise he partook of the same flesh um, as as the children of man, so that he, by his death, might deliver us um, from the one who has authority over death, namely the devil. Mm. Um, that he might deliver us from lifelong slavery to the fear of death. And so ultimately what it's saying is that human beings have this constant, whether it's conscious or not, or subconscious, we have this constant perpetual dread of, of death, or this, this sense, this groaning sense of our own mortality. We know, we know that we're fragile. We know that, that, that this life is not indefinite. And, um, and Jesus, by his death, he freed us from slavery to the fear of death. And that's, I think that's what we saw over the last two years is with the threat of doom and destruction, the Imperial College model and 2.2 million deaths, if we don't, you know, completely surrender all of our rights, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and all these things, it just revealed that so many people um, are afraid of death. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, with politicians, you've got the fear of man and with the public, you've got the fear of death. And, uh, but the gospel um, saves us from both. And, we can, it frees us to be courageous. And to fight. So thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. But real quick, before you go, do us a small favor, take a moment and leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed the show. This is undoubtedly the best way that you can help us get this biblically faithful content to as many people as possible. Thanks so much.